came about really because uh, Bob Hurwitz played my music to Don Upshaw, I think a few years ago, Grogs Boss in particular, and um, she was apparently really taken with it, and he introduced us to, to each other over email. <laughs> And um, we got on like a house on fire. Dawn is a wonderful person, like really wonderful, you know. There's just something really special there. And uh, it was actually, it's been inspiring to work with her on this. I was in New York and we met in this cafe in New York. That was the first time we met. And basically by that stage, Dawn had decided that she wanted a piece from me. So I, we, I was going to write her a piece. And so we were sort of talking about, she was telling me about her voice and... and uh, we were looking at texts that I was considering. So she was even interested at a very early stage at what texts I was interested. She's really deeply connected to meaning, you know. Actually, that's one of her great strengths. You know, you can hear it in the way she sings. It's not, she really uh, lives the meaning of, this is, uh, this is unique, I think. You know, there's very few like that. There's some that are great actors or whatever, but they're acting it. She, she kind of lives it. And, uh, and so... We talked that way. Then she was in Dublin um, about five months later to do a gig with this the Knights. They're a young New York group. I think they come out of Juilliard. Uh, who terrific players. And uh, and so then we just spent the day together. We went to Hoth, <laughs> and she came here to the house. I cooked her lunch. We listened to loads of my music. She wanted to hear everything. She'd already done a lot on the web, though. She'd been listening to lots of other pieces other than what Bob had played her. And um, and we just sort of went through more ideas about the piece. But I mean, I hadn't really been working on the piece yet, properly composing it. And then um, and then I just started composing, and we were back and forth. And then we met. She happened to be in London during the summer, and I we met. And I gave her the score, and we actually sat in a beautiful day in Hyde Park with the laptop with two headphones coming out and going through the piece for hours. Everything about it, Dawn is different. I remember when I was studying with Farhat at Trinity, I wrote a lot of quite slow, um, sort of resonant pieces. So in a weird way, that's sort of recurring in my um, music again. But also, it's got to do with my being much more open these days about emotion in, in my work. I mean, I just am much more uh, than... Uh, whereas... Uh, well, I mean, it's, my music's always, I would say, been sort of visceral and quite emotional in a way, but um, it, it, more towards the kind of faster, energetic stuff. So I, I've sort of gone, I, I have that, and I also sort of um, feel free to sort of deal with kind of a slower, more melancholic. melancholic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's also a part of me that's, you know, uncomfortable with stuff that's just... Uh, that you feel is manipulative, you know? Yeah. yeah. So there's an honesty there. Well, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be honest, it's, it's very hard. If you, to be really honest all the time, it's hard work to keep questioning yourself. ago I would have thought oh I'm not necessarily particularly interested in text more than any other composer but definitely if you look at my output that would show that I am actually and I suppose one of it is one reason for that is personal in that my father was a writer and is a writer you know he writes radio plays 
And so I grew up with that, thinking of that as being probably a more legitimate form of creativity. Uh, but definitely I felt, you know, that was... And always there was a feeling of, you know, literature being important. And, and, uh, and you know, I feel that, yeah, words matter a lot, you know. I, there was a teacher of mine in Illinois, Herbert Broom, which was, he used to have this great phrase, things are what is said about them. Deliberately, you know, messing with R and is. And he had these wonderful little aphorisms that were incredibly precise, like Wittgenstein, you know. And actually, yeah, so, I mean, that had a big impact on me. But in fact, ever even years before I had met Herbert Brun, I had been a, a big fan in my late teens of the writings of Wittgenstein, which I read entire. I took, I even went and took extra, I took philosophy classes, even though I wasn't a philosophy student, just to try and get to grips with this kind of enigmatic figure who, who was so concerned with the philosophy of language. Uh, so I have always been interested in that intersection between uh, things and how you describe them, or, or, you know, worlds of emotion and how, how language is even quite clumsy, but then some people are really, have a real gift at sort of nailing something, and yet it being elusive as well. And... Um, so, yeah, text is very important. I've done a lot of stuff which is on Irish texts. Uh, which, uh, the, uh, the tradition of Irish poetry is beautiful. It's a, it's a sadness, really, that not many people understand it. Me included. I have to work very hard and get people to help me. Um, because there are so many beautiful little phrases in it, like Tranonine, which is a little evening, <laughs> which is kind of, you know... There, uh, you have that in Dutch as well. This H, you know, which uh, sort of makes things into diminutions, which is lovely. You know, there are all these things in Irish, and so I mean, I've worked a lot with the Irish language, but also when I'm working with English, I suppose I am really drawn to a sort of a strong voice, and uh, yeah, I mean, even this disc that Nonsuch will be doing, it's all my vocal music. So there has been a big. Uh, uh, I have had a big sort of increasing interest in writing vocal music and uh, I want to do more even and I, maybe even my writing vocal music has brought out certain things in my music I would say yeah, yeah. What, what you were describing earlier yeah perhaps? like a sort of a higher like a like a an open element to it um, open uh, emotionally because I'm also a very structural person, you know, and I'm really interested in sort of an integrity in the piece. And, you know, I'm deeply interested in musical processes and I can write these kind of pieces that are really sort of worked out in terms of... And there's something about dealing with words that uh, liberates this other side of me. music or anything uh, because in a way it's an unaccompanied form and I was basically not going to write a Shandos piece I was going to use it and transplant it into my world and of course the, that was also I remember one or two people at the time thinking you know well it is just 
my world or whatever and uh, that obsessive and, and and dark world and uh, uh, hating it anyway for that um, but uh, largely it's got a very sort of visceral response yeah that piece well it is a very sort of visceral um, roller coaster of a piece and Irla was fantastic to work with I mean he doesn't he didn't really know how to read music in advance he knew a little bit how to follow it uh, and basically I taught it to him we used to meet he used to come to the house we used, I used to sing it to him we played we made mock-ups I made a recording of me singing it which you never want to hear and I hope Irla will always re remain friendly enough with me never to <laughs> to open that up to the public <laughs> and, uh, 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 which he had in his iPod and listened to and you know and that was actually fascinating because of my that's what I actually love about vocal music too because when I write vocal music I sing it so I force myself to sing it as I'm going along. Uh, not force myself, that's so terrible. But that I'm always singing it. And, um, it, and it gives you a different... It's such a different relationship with the music, you know? Because you have to live it when you sing it, you know? I, I suppose you kind of referred... You kind of alluded to it, or, or, or maybe we covered this, this area, but I had just a question on, um, on how you would kind of define your music currently and what your kind of main your primary motivations or your impulses are in terms of what you're what you're working on at the at the moment yeah as a composer um, maybe we don't want to maybe you don't want to address that in, as, as a question um, or maybe it's already been covered in, in, in relation to what you said but well I, I mean I suppose you know um, well I definitely feel that I'm in the swing of things now. So that's, I think, a, a good feeling. Although I'm between pieces now, which is always... A, 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 it's always weird for me when I'm between pieces. I'm happiest when I'm banging in the middle of a piece, you know, because I just know what I'm doing there. And uh, so now I'm between pieces, which you need, you know, you need a bit of a break, and I'm proofing. But um, so always it feels like when you go back to a new piece, which will be very soon, um, it feels like starting all over again. Um, uh, and it always does, it always feels like, oh God, uh, <laughs> how did I do that? <laughs> you know, yeah. you kind of wonder. Yeah. But, um, and how long, how long does it take you, you know, when you start a new piece, how long yeah. does it take you to get into that zone? Yeah, yeah it, dif it differs. If I go straight from one piece into the next, it can be instant, you know. If there's a break, which there are often breaks because, you know, you know, I was doing that Gaudianus thing in Amsterdam last week. So that's a break. You can't really compose it. And I was proofing parts. And usually there's stuff where you're proofing parts or just before performance, which forces a break in your actual composing all the time. Then it can take slightly longer. Uh, and sometimes that's good, you know, because you need to have a fresh, uh, uh, sort of a fresh sense of what you're going, going to do. Uh, and then it can take longer. So some pieces, you know, like Crane, this orchestra piece, that took a long time for me. It, it, it really took a year, uh, and I made three full false starts in it. Like went minutes into the piece, uh, and decided not chucked it out. And uh, so I actually lost. I mean, I threw away a huge amount of work until I felt I had this beginning I wanted for that piece. And, uh, and is that is that like when, when when you're in the process of that? Is that a dark time for you as a composer, as an artist, when you're actually throwing out stuff that you're not happy with, or is it kind of liberating in the sense that well, yeah, you know. yeah, that's good. Um, 
So far, it hasn't been there for me. So far, I've just been sort of thinking about the material and whether I'm making the right choice. And usually, in the end, I go, yeah, I've made the right choice, so it was good. And, you know, the material that you've been writing can often work its way in a different place, or at least it serves... I mean, I often think, even if you've thrown away stuff, which I do a lot... Um, you're still serving the you're you're still serving the piece because you're getting deeper and deeper into the world of the piece. In a way, you're finding the world of the piece, and then you decide, well, I'm cutting all this now. I know what the piece is about because I often have an abstract idea of the whole kind of piece, which forms as I'm doing the very initial material, and and so then you just throw away that material because now you know what you're going to do the piece about. So I don't get too bothered about that. Are you the sort of composer that you're, you're working on one piece, you finish that and then you go on to the other? Like, would you work simultaneously at different levels? Uh, I can't, you know, um, I can actually do two pieces at the same time. But uh, the way I would do it, because uh, I've had to do it, uh, yeah. is um, my main piece, whatever I would consider my main piece, is done during the day, you know. Uh, and I'm pretty rigorous about things because, you know, I have two young children and I have to be rigorous. And um, so I'll, and I have to turn off the internet. That's my one big addiction. Sometimes if you start doing an email or reading the newspaper online, you know, you read The Guardian and then you're going into the Huffington Post and, God, you could waste hours. So I, I really force, like, I turn off the internet and all that kind of stuff uh, most of the time. And um, it is, uh, you know, so I would have... It's slotted out, you know, in the morning. Uh, during the day, I would write my big piece. And then after I've after the kids have gone to bed, I will say I'll do uh, a little bit then on the, the, the smaller piece, you know. So I would, I would only ever kind of write a big piece and a smaller piece at the same time. Um, and then during the weekend, maybe there'll be more time then. As well. So I can do that, yeah. Mm. And actually, I find it really refreshing, you know, because you can get so involved in what you're doing that you can miss the wood for the trees so if you're thinking of something else against it almost oiling doing something else you know it's as if you were fixing a car and then you had a bike to fix out the back as well um, it can give you a slightly fresh perspective because Beckett once said that when you're right when he was writing he thought of the job of the writer to think of a what he wanted b what how the actor could deal with it and see how you would perceive it. And you would never think of Beckett having any interest in the audience. But it, it's not about pleasing the audience, it's about how you actually perceive what you're doing. And you do need to both be in it and outside it at the same time. And sometimes it can uh, help to actually be, be doing something else in another like hour and a half in the day that you work on a, on a not a minor piece, but a smaller piece. But... but um, I used to not be able to ever. I always had to be one piece at a time, and even still, it, it there usually the, uh, there's one piece that'll take over for a particular time. The, the end when at uh, the end end zone of a piece, you sort of have to devote it entirely to that. But uh, yeah, I can do two. I notice on your website you have a, a commission coming up for the the Cronus Quartet in yes. 2011. So yeah. is that will that be your next piece or? Uh, in, uh, well, that's what I was just saying earlier. I have I can only I'm, I'm I so live in the moment that I actually forget what I'm doing next. Uh, but that is one of the big ones. That's what I would consider my big piece of next year because I'm writing a big piece for them around 25 minutes, and also the kind of idea I have for it is quite sort of. Um, 
a sort of a, a big one, you know. Uh, um, yeah, I, I, I might be doing something with Ender Walsh as well, the playwright, and uh, but I don't know yet. I don't know, you know, just um, <laughs> negotiations. <laughs> and uh, uh, but yeah, I've suddenly gone a blank about what I'm actually doing next. That's talking about. But Cronus but, um, is is the one that I'm going to start next. Yeah, mm. that's a really mm. big piece. Of it. And that's a, you know, I, I forget what number of string quartet that, that is. I know you're not doing a numbering system, yeah. but you've written a number, like several uh, string quartets since like the li- late 1990s. So obviously that's a medium that you're quite... Yeah, it's another with. medium now, yeah, which I wouldn't have predicted back in the ni- late 90s. Um, yeah, I mean, Stamp, this one I wrote, Stamp to Avoid Erotic Thoughts, <laughs> is... Um, the Smith Quartet are putting that out on CD very soon. Actually, it's already recording. I think it's going to be released in October. And, um, yeah, I mean, I'm really looking forward to the piece for Cronus because it's not just going to be a string quartet. I'm going to uh, sort of enlarge the, the vocabulary of it, use these uh, uh, voices as well. And um, so, I mean, that's a really big piece for me. So, I mean, each year I consider what... I always have sort of one major work that's important for me. I mean, I'm also trying to develop the opera, but that's faced a lots of uh, blocks for the moment. So um, I really have to see, because I really want to develop that. And, I, and I've al- we already did some of it at the Dublin Theatre Festival in, in their workshops. And so I really have to figure out a, a way forward in that. That's hard because there's zero money for that in Ireland. So, you know, these other pieces have... Commissions now. Cronus is a piece that I really want to write for. Anyway, they're wonderful. David Harrington is a, is a he, he's another one of these real individuals that's that's quite inspiring, and uh, so, um, but uh, I really want to get this opera going again in some sort of way, and I, I'm I'm just going to put my head down after this piece and figure out a way to really kickstart that the way I want it to go. You know. So they're the, but they're the sort of pieces really that are are coming up the the opera the Cronus Quartet, and uh, I, I most likely we'll be doing something with um, Ender Walsh as well, which is fairly exciting. Round the way. 